This program is a recording and the Phoenix FM text line is currently closed. If you wish to comment on this program, email info at phoenixfm.ie and your comments will be passed to the program makers. Broadcasting from the Blanchistan Centre, this is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to bitch about movies and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is Sparta! All your base are belong to us. The balls are inert. And now it begins. Alright everybody, you're listening to Phoenix 92.5 FM and it's the 18th day of August 2018. You're listening to Nerd to Know, uh, our first show after Comic-Con. My name is Aaron Connor, and I'm joined on the line by my co-host, Mr. Bryn O'Rourke. Bryn, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm still recovering from Comic-Con. Man, I I got... You You know this, because we work together. Yeah. I, I called in sick on Monday. I got con sick. Yeah, I had my I had a con hangover, and I'm still experiencing it. You know, uh, like, you're waking up every day going, I'm still tired. Yeah. Tired than the day before, but still tired. You know, it, I I blame the heat of the of the place. It was yeah. just so many people. But here's the thing, you know, straight off the bat, uh, Olivia and all the gang from Dublin City Comic Con were great to us. Um, you know, just the whole event was fantastic. Um, we weren't impeded in any way as far as covering it. Now we did cover it. An insane amount, Brent. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, yeah, it was cool. It was very. It's very- yeah, but audio, you're going to be hearing Comic Con stuff until next year, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. there, there, there's that. There's that much. So it's like, yeah, but it's like even just like processing mentally, the con was crazy. Yeah, like it, it's it's one of the busy. Like I said to you, you know, when we were there, I'm like, well, there's way more people here than there were last year, and like we were there Friday, through there Friday night for the the press panel, which you know you guys heard in the show last week, but also um, on the sa- the Saturday. Now, the Saturday was literally like double the amount of people there were. It was absolutely jam-packed. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a really good way. Like, you wall-to-wall, like, there was people. And uh, really good vibe, really good atmosphere. The panels on Saturday were incredible. Um, you know, we, we, we're going to put them up on our YouTube channel. Um and played them throughout the course of the of, of the the run of shows here until next year, but um, yeah, man, like absolutely fantastic. What was the highlight for you personally? Um, oh, I get. I mean, I guess the the highlight, I think, out of the panels, because it's kind of it, it's hard to kind of think of overall. But out of the panels, I thought the best one was uh, Dean Cain's. Um, mm. out of the ones I saw, just because like. Uh, really, it was just a really, really good panel. Yeah, basically, talked for, talked very comfortably and very self-deprecatingly. For it, I can't wait for that audio to come out because yeah, you just get the impression that he is like a seriously cool dude. And I actually, yeah, 
I actually listened. I actually listened to it there last week. It's very good. Very fun. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think that I think out of the panels, that's probably my highlight. Um, I think that, uh, then, honestly, just like kind of going around talking to different artists and stuff, and talking to, um, talking to just different people from uh, Congoers. I met a bunch of people that I haven't seen since college, which was awesome. Um, those are kind of like the main highlights for me, and it's a kind of like it's one thing I do love about cons is that you just take. You never really know who you're going to bump into. That's true. <laughs> you know, at any point in time, it's class. It's so cool. Actually, f- funny that you mentioned it as well. Um, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I don't know, how would you know? Uh, when we were there, unless you ran into us, yeah. we didn't really spend that much time together because we were kind of running around covering things. So we'd meet up quickly, kind of yeah. exchange audio gear and then yeah. run away. Basically, we'd go like, okay, you finished doing that panel. Cool. Let's meet up. <laughs> and that's <laughs> We and that was it for lunch and like literally no man we, we didn't we didn't get lunch we didn't get lunch at the end of the day we're like oh we didn't eat food <laughs> but yeah. we sat down for like uh, we sat down for like an hour just yeah we base yeah so it, it was a glass thing yeah it was such a cool day though such yeah. a cool day what was your highlight uh i i meeting john romero yeah for me like i know that's that's yeah, he's a really good guy. Like, and his uh, his whole family were there, and his wife Brenda as well. You know, good people, really, really good people. Um, like that was ironically the first thing we did. So it's kind of <laughs> like I'm happy now. But uh, yeah, not like the, you have that starter that's better than everything else in the menu. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I just think like the that's what this that's what this Comic Con was like. You know, it was. There was no lull period, you know. There was no well, there, well, there, there was for us about three o'clock, but <laughs> even still, that wasn't a lull period. That was just we were too exhausted to do anything else. Um, but for 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 me, like the fact that you know you could actually ask questions and you know that was available was pretty cool. And you know, even the the, the cost of everything all the way through through the through the day as well wasn't wasn't that bad. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's just like. I think it's because I've, I've gone to a good few of the cons and I've never been in a situation where I felt like the like the 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 main attraction guests were I always felt like they were kind of like difficult to like the, there was like such a high level of like not being able to have access to them. Oh, oh, so much you, more accessible. You haven't been to, you haven't been to a Doctor Who convention. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hoovians tend to, you know, like if you're a Hoovian and you're listening to this, I know that you can, uh, that, that you'll, uh, that you uh, basically show up and it can be a scary situation if you're a member of the cast. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I was at the 50, the London 50th anniversary con a couple of years ago, um, which was awesome. You know, I was, I'm not a huge uh, Doctor Who fan, but I do in, enjoy um, seasons. Yeah. So we say of the show, um, but yeah, man, like you couldn't really meet anyone, you know. Like I, I did get to meet um, Peter Davison, which was epic, um, really was. But even still, like the main cast were there, but you couldn't really meet them. It wasn't like there wasn't like the open platform as such. Um, the panels were good, but they weren't as good as you know at Dublin Comic Con. This really felt like. I guess what it was supposed to be. It felt like the the Irish version of Comic Con in San Diego. Yeah. 
but it's, you know it's, it really is starting to feel like that's gonna, yeah it really that's is gonna yeah. be a goal that will be like the only thing that sh- like like as much as i loved the panels they had the only like the only like criticism you'd have on the scale of comparing the two of them is that like the the star power is- yeah like and, and to be fair just on that on that point Brian, like that's one thing that we we did say it was a, a bit of hard luck. They did have the star power, and because of filming and stuff, they had to the withdraw. Time, you know? They have like you know, you still got to meet Laurie Petty. You know? Yeah, which was great game. Like I mean, it's not like you know, it's not like nobody's, but like it's just not the same thing as when you have the li- literal entire cast of insert DC or Marvel film here mm. show up. You know, it's just not the same thing. No, like, I, but I think. You know, going in the direction that they were trying to go in by bringing in Carl Urban and stuff like that. Mm. And even, you know, next... Actually, I don't know if you've had a look at um, who's coming to the anime edition of Comic-Con next year. I saw it, but I've, I've literally blanked, so do tell me again. <laughs> oh, man. The White Ranger himself. That's gonna be, yeah. It's going to be uh, Frank. Yes, sir. Um, I'm going solely for that reason because it's, you know, I have to. <laughs> it's you know it's it's like my entire childhood uh so like you know it, it, that's what i mean like that that's you know not the biggest star in the world but a huge star nevertheless and i think playing that that kind of thing where you know it allows them to do you know make up for you know you can't fly over you know, the entire cast of Star Wars or whatever, because, you know, <laughs> it's easier to go to LA than it is to Dublin. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you had Kevin Conroy over here, yeah, that was huge. It's but he- with other cons where, like, um, there was Arcade Con had Troy Baker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people go, who's Troy Baker? And you go, well, have you heard of Last of Us? It's like, oh, yeah, because it was one of the biggest games that ever came out of the PlayStation. Yeah, you know who Troy Baker is because he was Joel. But, like, uh, but like I, I think, you know... It, uh, f- this is what, you know, we talked about this with Olivia, you know, when she was on the show, that I, I've been going to Dublin Comic Con for years and I've seen it, you know, when, when I had a different different uh, incarnations of it when I was out in Swords, when it, they moved to the, the convention center, there was only a couple of things open. But then they'd have, you know, they had, um, they had like bigger guests and stuff like that. And it's like, even still people were going, but they weren't going just for that they were kind of building with it, you know, so the star power gets people in the door. But one thing that I noticed from talking to people around the place and even, you know, people were messaging me, Hey, are you at Comic-Con? I'm like, yeah, people I didn't expect to, to, to be there were there. And it's, it's, it's more the experience now. Right. So, you know, people want to go and see the cosplayers. They want to cosplay themselves. Some people just want to go and see what the fuss is. You know, you can buy some, you know, you know, nerdy stuff or whatever, and I, it's it's now become like an event, and I think that's that's exactly what it should be. You know, like yes, are there other cons in, of course in Ireland? Of course, are there? Would give, but they all kind of give you a different experience. Like, um, you know, you go to a smaller con in Cork or Waterford or Wexford or whatever, and it will be totally different because it's catering for something completely, completely on its own because it is smaller and has. And I think, you know. DCC now has that, you know, where it's like, look, if you can't go to San Diego, you know, who <laughs> goes to San Diego Comic Con, right? Uh, you know, on, on on a whim, particularly if you're in Ireland, you don't have to. You can go to this, and that's what's like. So anyone who who hasn't experienced it, do not miss your opportunity to go. 
fantastic stuff. R- really, really good. And Brian, I think, you know, I, I speak for you and, you know, we had a great time. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was so much fun. Like, uh, but yeah, I think what you're saying is right, though, but like it is a big part of it is like the experience, the experience of like you're seeing it even with um, uh, like you even see it with like how many families were there. And like that's a really cool part of it too. It's just like you know seeing like uh, seeing dads and like seeing entire like families even just like doing group uh, uh, doing group uh, things to get like doing co- doing group uh, cosplay together is so much. It's just so cool to see because like it's hard to find ones that like you can go oh as a family we can do this you know like that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it, it's definitely like it, it's weird to see. You know, when we joked, we joked about it as well. It's weird to see pop, uh, nerd pop, nerd culture being pop culture. Yeah, you yeah, know, to, to to such an extent. But it, it's cool in, in a sense as well. You know, it, it opens the doors to a lot of different people. A lot of um, a lot of a lot of entry. A lot of kids are at it. You know, a lot of teenagers are at it. A lot of young adults are at it. A lot of uh, people in their mid twenties are at it. People in their thirties are at it. And then you know, all the way up to you know, to, to older, older fans, you know? So it really was, you know, for the first time for me where I was like, wow, you know, this is something that everyone can enjoy. And that's great, you know, because I've, you know, seen the slow build from year to year to year. It, it really kind of hit critical mass. And that's why when you're standing there at three o'clock on Saturday, like, well, man, we need to sit down because there's so many people here. This is crazy, you know? It, I don't even think we were expecting that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to seeing the uh, what the, like the kind of show they put out for uh, for the next con in the spring. Yeah, cool. yeah, and, and you know we'll get the guys on and stuff like that, and you know obviously be covering it um, in a similar manner. I'm not gonna say the same manner because that nearly killed the two of us, <laughs> but in in a similar manner um, as as before, guys. So we hope you enjoy. Um, you know the clips and stuff that we have, but one thing, Bryn, before we get into it, uh, we we are gonna do we are gonna run the waterfront of issues. I need to bring up something. So I I've been buying comics again, which is bad yeah. because I have you know a lot of comics. But and I, you know I'm not just doing it for for effect because I, they're still in the box. So here I have some comics this week that came out. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, New Comic Day is Wednesday. So you know go to your local comic store and get some. You know, comics on Wednesday. Uh, Doomsday Clock is out, and that is a phenomenal series. If you guys haven't read it, it's pretty much Superman discovers the Watchmen, and madness ensues. So uh, that is one that I'm not going to spoil, but it, the art is great. Um, you know, it picks up if you're a fan of Watchmen, uh, you'll love it. It's something that um, you know, it's a must read. But this series is fantastic. But a series I want to talk about that is actually more interesting for me personally is the Power Ranger series, right? And this kind of ties into what we've been talking about at Comic Con. I actually picked up uh, the first run of the Boom Publishing uh, com- uh, comics of the Power Rangers, and they're actually written by Kyle Higgins. For anyone who doesn't know, Kyle Higgins is he's one of the best writers of uh, Batman and Nightwing. So. Um, he he wrote wrote pretty much a fantastic Nightwing series. He wrote Gates of Gotham and all that kind of stuff. But after that, when he finished up with DC, he went on did the Power Ranger series. It's the entire story of Tommy Oliver all the way through, told from his told from his perspective. So as the show's finishing, it picks up 
and kind of fills in those gaps. Now, why is that interesting? Because it sets up the event that's happening now, which is Shattered Grid, which is an evil Tommy who is pretty much like, um, I don't know if you played Injustice, yeah. Bryn? Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty much like the ultimate Power Ranger, but evil. And it's it's fantastic. It's called Shattered, Shattered Grid and number 30 came out. So, um yeah guys if you're into if you're if you're a fan of Power Rangers you know pick up one of the trades um, and have a read through it but that's what I'm reading at the moment and I 100% recommend it like I can't I actually cannot recommend it enough because it, it is Mighty more from Power Rangers but a, a new spin on the whole thing that uh, <laughs> it retcons the silliness of the show uh, in a way that doesn't undermine the show so you can still it still fits perfectly it's kind of hard to explain but instead of it just being you know um you know we might do a, a we might do a, a retrospective on power rangers at some point but yeah it's that's what i'm reading at the moment and i'd say for anyone who's a fan pick up uh shattered grid and pick up the treads what about you Brent? what are you reading um well I, um, i'm kind of just going through the uh a couple of books i actually picked up from the con um one of them I'm actually still waiting to read on because I got I got it from my girlfriend actually. Um, I'm just trying to remember, uh, trying to grab the actual uh, name of it there. Um, do, do, deal. Sorry about this. Um, that's only. Um, anyway, it's um. Oh yeah, Elsie uh, Harris by yeah, Jessica Martin. Um, it just seemed like an interesting book. It's basically about a, a female character in the thirties trying to get, a, a, trying to start a career in film and television, or, or in film even. And yeah, it seemed like an interesting book. I'm waiting to actually get a chance to read it because my girlfriend's currently reading it. Um, but the last thing I did read was Carrie, uh, Carrie and Rufus. Uh, number one, uh, written by Ben Hennessy, and it's it's really good. It's really good. I'm dying for the next uh, part of it whenever that comes out. But uh, it's uh, the way he described it. We did that. We did an interview with him. I that kind of sold me on getting it because he was saying it's like a a pleasant mix between Turner and Hooch and Shaun of the Dead but with a fox instead of a dog and it's set in Wexford instead of London. So, yeah, it's good. It's, and, um, and, and not only is it good, but we also had a chance to talk with, uh, with the yeah. artist and uh, we're going to play that nail, Bryn. This is Bryn again here at uh, Nerd to Know Basis and I am joined by... Ben Hennessy. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Great to, me- great to meet you, Ben. So, uh, what are you doing here at the con today? At the con today, I'm selling my book, uh, Carrie and Rufus, which is kind of like um, Turner and Hooch meets Shaun of the Dead. I love, I love the sound of that. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, how long would, it, would you say the uh, development process was to get that book uh, uh, written up? Oh, to get it written up was no time at all. and It only took like a month to draw it. Um, I got another friend of mine, Kieran Lucas, to do the colors, and another friend of mine, Cara Murta, to do the lettering. Um, I did the cover, and it was the only kind of bit of coloring I had to do with the book which is where I want to be my my heart is with inks all the time um, but it helps because I'm partially colorblind 
Oh well, yeah, that would that would be that would be really really helpful. So, in terms of like your um, inspiration for this book, would you say that it was the kind of blending of Shaun of the Dead uh, with uh, Turner and Hooch, or what would oh, you it say? One hundred percent that um, I've been a zombie fan since I can remember, um, and I really wanted to do something in that realm. You know, I know zombies are everywhere and absolutely oversaturated, but uh, I had to have my own take on it. Um, and I've enjoyed doing it. Like, a well, I think doing like a buddy comedy is kind of like a nice new thing to kind of add into the mix. You know, I mean, like you see so many uh, things where, like, especially with Walking Dead, it kind of just like put such a downer on the idea of surviving is surviving a zombie situation that, like, now that people are kind of starting to satirize a little bit, it's making it a bit more fun. And I think it's important to go away from that. Like, it's you, you're not going to out Walking Dead to Walking Dead, so you have to come up with your own your own realm, your own universe, you know, and uh, I've given my best to do that. I've involved older parts of old Wexford like, that aren't available today, but, you know, they're available in the book. And uh, they all seem to play a part in how these guys get around the zombie threat. Perfect. So, um, in general, what would you say would be, um, like, some advice you'd give to someone who's just starting out in this industry? Um, it's it's going to be the same advice I've probably heard from everyone. It's just keep at it. Keep putting in the hours. You've often heard that 10,000 hour thing. I'm not too sure it's actually 10,000 really, uh, but logging in your time is the same. It, it's, it's the most important part. The more you do, the better you get. It's like putting in reps in the gym or you know working on your golf swing. You know, you just got to keep at it until you eventually get to where you want to be. Yeah, perfect. That makes complete sense. Okay, well, look, we're going to wrap it up today, but uh, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the con. Yeah. Yeah, so we actually had a talk with him there, Bryn, and he's a super nice guy. I, I actually really enjoyed not only his art in it, but he had some cool Spider-Man uh, sketches as well. It's pretty good. So he's a fantastic artist. Yeah, I was just checking out as well his uh, website there, and he has he has done some really, really cool pinups uh, that you can check out on his website. It's um, uh, it's called uh, com, where you can, he does a blog, and he has his pinups and a portfolio for his comics and stuff. He you know, very, very talented dude. And hopefully we'll get to talk to him again in the future. Yeah. Nice to be able to have a longer than five minute interview with him because <laughs> his work is cool. And he's a, a guy to watch out for, it would, I would say. All right, Bryn, moving on. Let's have a look at the next clip from Comic-Con with the guys from Titan Comics. Here we go. You know, you're an Irish company. What advice would you give that person, regardless of what discipline they were looking to uh, uh, to go in with, be it like as a writer or being an inkler or penciler, that sort of thing? Well, overall, just say to everyone, don't be afraid to fail. Um, not everything works out uh, right the first time, and sometimes there's a couple of uh, attempts, but that's for everyone in the industry, regardless of location or what the role is in comic books. It's like trial and error is the best, and sometimes the best learning experience is not getting it right the first time around, but uh, stick with it. And it, uh, the best day is always outweighs the worst day. Okay, great. So um, thanks so much for uh, talking to us today, and uh, that will do it for this interview. Hey, so this is Bryn at uh, Nerd to Know Basis, and I am joined with... Uh, Ken Coleman. Uh, I'm here as a green screen photographer and cosplay digital artist. Oh, wow. So, uh, what, exactly, so uh, what attracted you to work with, it, with a green screen in the space of Comic-Con? Well, um, it all started because myself and Derek, who is one of the guys from Comic-Con, we go way back, way, way back. I mean, to 1984, babies. 
right, uh, junior infants. And what happened was, over the years, we all developed all these kind of being complete nerds, basically. I came to Comic-Con, I was showing off my Photoshop work and my fantasy artwork, and one year I went to another convention with a green screen and started taking photos of cosplayers and turning them into the artwork. And then that became the thing. So the thing was, people show up in a, at a convention in their, in their costume and they love to walk away with uh, a poster that hopefully they'll have in their wall for 20 years. You know, like a souvenir poster. Yeah. Like I, I saw earlier, I saw you actually uh, taking a shoot for um, a child who's wearing a Spider-Man costume. And seeing that, I thought there was like a live feed or something coming through because you could see photos like start to uh, cast onto your screen. I kind of wish we had a video to show it. Um, but it just looks super impressive that you're able to uh, kind of uh, give that opportunity so that parents and kids can have... Uh, those kind of photos yeah well it, it's just a lot of fun you know and more and more parents uh, don't want to do the the white uh, white t-shirt and blue jeans traditional modern uh, family portraiture they want to do something different and when I, I want to meet a lot of parents here they want to connect with their kids and they want to see what their kids are into and maybe they're just like us they're they're Star Wars or Goonies or they're back to the future fans and their kids are into Star Wars and maybe a different version of the turtles but they bring their kids here and they just love getting their photos done, maybe with them or, you know, maybe the kid is like Thor and he's beating the crap out of his dad who's Loki, you know, that kind of stuff, which is great. Yeah, no, that's so cool. And to give that opportunity, especially uh, around here, is amazing. Um, in terms of uh, the, in terms of getting into photography for uh, people who are just either interested as a hobby or to actually do it professionally, is there any kind of advice that you would give those people? Yeah, I wouldn't listen to <laughs> I wouldn't listen to many press photographers or professionals. I would just go with your gut. And what I've learned lately is, okay, I'm using certain equipment today for the job I have, but I'm sitting around with a lovely little Olympus mirrorless camera in my bag that I take every day with me because it's got a wife. It's got Wi-Fi. It'll send the photos right to my phone. I teach uh, I teach um, I teach game design with LIT and Clamel, and part of that is I actually teach my kids to just use LED lights a green screen and their smartphone. The whole thing with photography for a lot of students is, oh, I can't afford that. And it's like, you got a, you got a phone, in your, you got a, a camera in your back pocket. It's just how you use it. And one of my favorite little um, times that that actually worked was that a, a, a young cousin, he was about maybe nine or 10, came down to Limerick to me one day and he had an iPad and he was playing games on the iPad. I took him out into the garden and I kind of have a castle gray skull in my, gar my mother's front garden as a, a centerpiece. And I showed him how to photograph something like that at an angle. And the next thing, all he did for the whole day was just go with his, like, like toy airplane, photographing it against the sky, like taking action figures with the iPad and just running around the garden. I just saw him lying on the lawn trying to photograph a stormtrooper with Castle Grayskull in the background. And that made him use the technology in a more creative way. So those kind of things are, they're, they're good moments you know oh yeah definitely well i'm afraid that is all the time that we have uh, here today but uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us oh thank uh, you and uh, yeah hopefully we'll see you at the uh, next year's con all right that's gonna do it for our interviews uh, this week here on nerd to know so i hope you guys enjoyed it we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back more discussion on nerd to know basis here on phoenix 92.5 fm You're listening to Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. This program is a recording and the Phoenix FM text line is currently closed. If you wish to comment on this program, email info at phoenixfm.ie and your comments will be passed to the program makers.
This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, Community Radio for Dublin 15. Okay guys, and we're back here on Near to No Basis Phoenix 92.5 FM. Thank you very much for joining us. Bryn, I've actually been looking forward to getting into uh, into that kind of into that book because I've actually had a chance to watch Shaun of the Dead recently, which I haven't done in ages. Uh, speaking of Shaun of the Dead, I had a chance to watch at, at World's End there during the week. Yeah. Uh, like I saw it before, but I kind of like, you know, saw it before where I watched it didn't really pay that much attention to it and then kind of dismissed it. Mm. So I watched it again with a more uh, critical eye this time around. And then, you know, I really know it's, it's not my favorite of the, of the Cornell trilogy at all. Um, but it, I like it, you know, I, I, it has a, it has a, a soul to it that is, uh, is very different than the other ones, I think. Yeah. But I think they're all kind of, they're all like supposed to be quite different from each other, from each other, even though they have, they're clearly supposed to have like little scenes that overlap with each other, like stuff like having the Cornettos and yeah, one of them has like the, has a fence scene, has the thing of them jumping over fences and the know. fence falls down. Yeah. Yeah. Or like just does it smoothly, <laughs> you know, in, yeah. in, uh, uh, in Hot Fuzz. Like, yes. But I mean like Hot Fuzz is just like, just ridiculous. Uh, Hot Fuzz actually, like I didn't like Hot Fuzz initially. Yeah. And then I got into it, and I'm like, "Wow, this is great!" Because I always thought Shaun of the Dead was better. Although I thought Shaun of the Dead was better, but it's actually not. Like Hot Fuzz, in my opinion, is the yeah. is the pinnacle of that that whole trilogy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I was watching it again, though, particularly after watching more Edgar Wright movies, or you know, becoming a fan of Edgar Wright properly after the point, you, you do kind of see, "Oh yeah, he wrote this." You know, this is his movie. And it's weird because um, you kind of tell you what we were talking about last week, going well, last week, but the week before with Ant Man, where. Ant-Man doesn't feel like that because he didn't direct it. You know, he wrote bits and pieces and it doesn't have that, those flares, but it does have bits where it's like, oh, that, you know, you could have put that in here. Yeah. It could be here, you know? I remember talking with uh, one of my friends before. We were saying, like, what would Ant-Man have been like if Edgar Wright directed? And they said, like, Edgar Wright is a big fan, has such, uh, like, one of the things that's like so distinctive about his style for for putting together a film is that like he likes to do these kind of like really panache kind of edit like edit sweeps where it's like a ton of b-roll just like done in a really like stylistic and clever way that kind of shows off like that shows off something about a character like in the way that you'd see um like in hospitals how it just like it just does like rapid fire jump cuts for mm. um uh, for uh, Simon Pegg's character traveling from London to the uh, to the country, yeah, you know, and you would have seen that kind of thing done a lot more. Um, I you also you also, you also probably would have seen a Simon Pegg cameo too. Yeah, but I think even with the um, like uh, you know the like those segments in the first film where uh, the Latino friend is telling the yeah is that kind of they're doing the whole drunk history thing where it's like his voice over their. Uh, their mouth movements. I mm. think that would have been done in a slot. I think that would have been done in a different way. It's something that, like, you look at that and you go, 
Edgar Wright would have put his stamp on those scenes. Well, see, I, I think they were Edgar Wright scenes. Yeah, I, if it would have been shot differently. They were, yeah, been done differently about them. I don't know. They, they, yeah, done the drunk history voiceover thing that uh, they had him do. Like it works, and I loved it. I love it. It's not something I'm saying like that's bad. I just think that Edgar Wright probably would have went a different way with it. Yeah. Like, no, you you can totally see it. Like it's, it's just one thing. When I was watching it, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I I can see what he would have done here. I can kind of, you know, yeah, it kind of puts a a face to it as such. Yeah. Uh, you watch Rick and Morty, and you can spot when it's a Dan Harmon joke. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly the same kind of thing. Uh, it's just it's it's one of those what ifs, you know. And I think the best we can do now is Scott Pilgrim which I need to actually watch again because it's been yeah. a while. But uh, one thing actually I wanted to talk about there real quick on, on that point is that you can no longer get Scott Pilgrim versus the world, uh, the video game. Have you ever played the video game? Nope. Oh, I've, man. I've never. Like, Scott Pilgrim does nothing for me. Oh, God. Well, you're missing out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, the video game is a... Well, it was or still is. I, I bought it when it came out, so I still have it. But it's on a... Um, it's a done in the style of an, an old eight bit game, yeah. Side scroller, so it's like it's like a Streets of Rage fused with Mario fused with all this kind of stuff. It's one of the best games that unless you have it, you'll never play, <laughs> and, and that's what sucks because it's it's, it's a true highlight of uh, 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 you know of the whole console generation, I think, in my opinion. And that's I that, I want to transition into our next topic based on that the the problems of digital distribution right now uh, you and i are a big fan of games love video games um you know it's it's one of those kind of things where you know how can you not but it also raised the problem of when you move stuff to digital what happens to it now this this is a bit of a stretch i know but just go with me here the two biggest emulator rom sites are now no more than web pages that hold no data Right, as in everything's there except for a link to the server which would download the game or the ROMs or whatever, right? All gone. Why this is because apparently, according to uh, Jim, the gym position, uh, Nintendo has filed lawsuits against all the major uh, ROM sites, okay. And uh, yeah, if you go on, explain what a ROM is. Just oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I forget. I forget, Brent. <laughs> yeah. So, like, basically, what a ROM is, it's um, it's basically the flash memory. It's like the the memory of like what a game is. Like the the ROM comes from like read only memory. It's basically how you would run old games, like um, like Sonic the Hedgehog from like for your Mega Drive or. Super Mario Brothers on your uh, SNES, and basically like that kind of image of that would be taken, and then people could play could play them digitally on an emulator for, on their computer, or even stick it onto a Raspberry Pi in, in modern times and that kind of thing. Yeah, and so legally, it's it's piracy. I mean, this the you know uh, le- legally see legally it's a it's a moral gray area, right? Well, As in gray area, legally it's not. <laughs> like, well, well, here's the thing, because some you can actually go onto websites like archive.org yeah. and legit pull um, 
ROMs for real games that are in the public domain. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah, but public domain's a different deal altogether. Though. I know, I know, but just you know, it, it that's what I mean. That's why it's kind of stuff where where the where the problem becomes is when you start downloading Sega games yeah. <laughs> or N sixty four games or um, you know NES games or like that. And this is this is where it gets interesting because look. This has been going on for years, all right? Like, you know, going all the way back. You know, I remember first starting college uh, in 2007 and people were like, oh, you know, check out Sonic. I'm like, oh, cool, you can get Sonic on your phone, right? Now, not a big deal, right? So 11 years go by. What happens? The Raspberry Pi, all right? So everyone doesn't know what a Raspberry Pi is. It's a small single board computer. You can put anything on it. You know, I, I have one as a... You know, a, an interface. I have one as a, a network device. You know, because you use it for anything, right? But the most, you know, normal use for it is um, as a gaming device, yeah. right? So you can plug it in and then pop all the ROMs on it, and away you go, and you can play whatever you want, right? Now, why is this an issue? Because Nintendo released their NES Classic. They released their SNES Classic. Yeah, the NES Mini. Oh, okay, yeah, you, you know, the, the, the thing that was hor- horribly overpriced and not worth it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah. that was mean. But it's like, yeah, but, but it's, like, it's also... In, yeah. Like, I think when that was released, just to go on a specific tangent here, um, when the NES Mini was released, I worked in a GameStop. Yeah. And so, like, one of the big kind of... It was more of a severe thing in the States, but it happened here, too, where there weren't enough made to meet demand. There was massive demand, massive known demand for these. Mm. Um, to the point where in my GameStop, we had 11 pre-orders mm. and we received 10 machines. Jeez. You know, like that's, uh, that's like inexcusable. You know, you can't, like you can't, like, especially when you, when you see other game companies at this, because again, this is like around Christmas, so there mm. are games releasing for Christmas. You know, like Dishonored mm. Two came out a couple that came out a couple weeks after the NES Min, after the NES Mini was released, and they had they gave they had in GameStop they had more copies of the special edition thing where you had the Corvo mask than you had NES Minis. Yeah, but see, a lot of that again. A lot of this was a lot of this was covered again by Jim Sterling. You know, if you guys don't know who that is, check him out. He's awesome. Um, but but having to go into his source, like you can just like, like you can like if you can look on you can look at almost any gaming thing and like read up about the NES Mini and how ridiculous it is, especially when you're looking at especially when you compare it to like uh, when you compare what Nintendo did versus some of their competitors, either as, as software developers or as other games makers, and go, they're, the, they're like one of the biggest gaming companies out there, and they never seem to have, be able to make enough product to satisfy the, satisfy the demand of their customers. No. Man, they don't do that. Like, there, there is a lot, there is a lot of, you know, I don't want to get conspiratorial here, but there is a lot of, um, you know, rumors that it's artificial. Yeah, it is artificial because it ha- it's hap- it happened it happened with the NES Mini. It happened with the Nintendo Switch. It yeah. happens with Game Boy. It happens with new versions of Game Boys. It happens with certain versions of games as well, man. It's yeah, not exactly conspiratorial. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's like uh, it's not a conspiracy if we are really are able to get you. I know, I know, but still, it's 
you know, I, I we have to kind of be careful. But you know, if for anyone who who's into this kind of stuff, you can you can dig yeah. and, and can see. But anyway, why this became an issue is because Nintendo realized, hold on a minute, we could lose money here because someone could just get a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Now, yes, I will give them that. However, I have talked to many people. Many, many, many people yeah. about this, right? And you're met with two responses. One, what's a Raspberry Pi? And two, why are you in my house? <laughs> uh, no, seriously though, folks. It, it is one of those kind of things where like, unless you have the knowledge um, and commitment to actually do it, you're not really on a butter. Yeah. Um, because to be honest with you, like, most people who bought um, the 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 NES and Stas Mini, they wanted it because it looked cool. You know, it did. It looked like a little small... Yeah, it's convenient as well. You know, it's like, you know... Um, I, I, I literally plug and play. Like. Yeah, there's there's no... There's no messing around with ROMs and all that kind of stuff. It, it's all there. So the people who would... The people who would have a, a Raspberry Pi would have to have a certain entry point in it. And I know some people actually... There were some businesses of people selling them. Now, that's illegal. That's super illegal, particularly when you're selling them at ROMs. Um, and yeah, it's you know that's that's something that that should have you know never happened. But it, it's just it's I, I'm I'm saddened by it because it's like for preservation purposes, you can't go and play these games now. They're gone. You know, like and even still, like uh, what a cart of. Um, a card of Conquerors Bad Fur Day for the N64 is, you know, quite expensive. It's like 60 bucks. Uh, and then again, you got to buy an N64 to play it. It's like, seriously, that's that's crazy, you know, unless you have one. Like, if, and it goes back to what we said. We said this about wrestling. We said this about loads of things. The piracy is never going to go away. Ever. Right? How you combat piracy is you make it super easy and super cheap and available. Yep. If something is cheap and available, people are going to use that. Look at Spotify. The music industry was killed pretty much by MP3 downloading. Spotify now is the way to go. Yep. And people pay for Spotify. The same thing with Netflix. And Netflix. Exactly. Netflix is a prime example. Streaming I mean, services are a prime example. Look yeah. at Steam, man. You know, yeah. you know, like the same... I, I, guy from the... I can't remember who was from Valve pretty much was the person who's saying like people pirate because it's easier. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like people will pirate something if it's easier to do it than it is to like, if it's easier to go out and buy a book than it is to pirate, than it is to, if it's easier to go out and buy a book than it is to steal it, people will buy it. It's just easier. You know? Yeah. Like, here's the thing. I remember, I remember a few years ago, it was nigh impossible to buy Dread on DVD in Ireland. Yep. Impossible. It was impossible. You could not do it. Yep. <laughs> it was just. Because, like a, but it was always a case of it being sold out, too. So it's not like. Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, well, no, even at the point, like, there were no stores. All the stores were closed. You know, this yeah. is when Extra Vision had gone down, this is when HVA were gone down. Like, Tower didn't have it. So the only place you could get it was on Amazon or download yeah. it. You know, and. The fact that was an option is why a lot of people did. Now I have it on Blu-ray and have the collector's edition, all that kind of stuff. But mm. you know, I I think it's it, it's ridiculous because Steam is is a prime example here. Steam, 
it's always been for anyone who doesn't know Steam. Steam is the longest, is the largest uh, online platform for PC gaming. Now, PC games have always been even more susceptible to piracy because, well, you know, they're on a PC. You can crack mm-hmm. them, and away you go. So, using the piracy is bad argument. The PC gaming industry should have been destroyed. No, it's never been better. Yeah. It's because you have Steam, which, you know, for five bucks, you can go in and buy a game that's not going to affect your computer, that you can get a refund on if you don't want it or whatever, and it's there, and it's great, you know? And I think the console market still hasn't caught up with this. You know, Nintendo are, you do like the piecemeal and drip things to the point of it's not accessible because they want, they, they think, you know, scarcity makes the heart grow fonder. Not really. Sometimes I just want to play... Zelda or I want to play Mario now to be fair you know I'm not a huge Nintendo fan like straight up but it's sad that a lot of the Sega games are gone because there isn't a great Sega platform that can run this kind of stuff you know a lot of the exploits are gone as well for modding consoles which kind of, was just horrible um, PSP a lot of the, the tools and freeware that would go on there are gone so it, you know I think this is this is a, it's sad it's a sad day for me someone who actually enjoys um, preservation, but also the the freedom to mod console, to mod materials. Um, so hopefully this gets overturned, but I don't think it will. Um, but look, you know, if there's one thing you've taken away from this, piracy is not going to go away. It, something else will pop up. It's like when the it's like when the Irish government banned Pirate Bay, and now there's proxies where you can go on. But it's even, so but it's, it's, e- like, it's even like you don't even have to go to those extents. Like, did you uh, when you were a kid in primary school? Did you ever British Bulldogs? The game. No, no. So there's this game that we had in primary school. It's called British Bulldogs. Basically, the idea would be like you'd have one person on, and then everyone went across, and whoever they tagged would then be on with them, and it would basically go whittle from one person being on to being one person, like having everyone be on bar one person, and that was kind of the goal of the game. Right. The thing is, is that because people would be running at full pelt, and it would be everyone doing it, the chances of someone tripping and falling massively high. And it got banned. So what did we do? We called it a different name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and on we went. And like, because like, yeah, they can ban the, they can ban the name of the game, but they can't ban the game itself. No, like it's, look, ban piracy, but then they'll just call it like schmiracy. And then what are you going to (laughs) do? Like, Like, uh, you know, again, and we don't studies that people who pirate, you know, are highest consumers of media. Yeah, and True. it's you know, it's yeah. also like it never negatively affects media consumption. No, like you know? this is this is just uh, as much as much as I you know appreciate capitalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't. I think there's a line here, and it's like guys, you you know you don't have to drain every penny <laughs> from an IP which you're not you using. Gotta squeeze every penny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like seriously, Street of Rage. I have bought Street of Rage. About 15 times. Sometimes I just wanted to play it on the PSP, yeah. which you cannot buy it for. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. What are you doing? You're getting free developers to do it for you. And let's not forget modding, mm-hmm. right? Modding is a lot of modders put their stuff up there and they become game developers. The best se- Sonic game is Sonic Mania. Everybody who worked on that were modders or yeah. custom ROM makers. It's like cutting your nose off to spite your face to save some money and let's what I say money which you're probably never going to get Nintendo because your store is terrible <laughs> and no one's going to buy anything yeah. so you know it's like 
what's the point? You've just done nothing. But it's like <sighs> in um, this game. Uh, I remember. I can't remember. There's a game called Metal, Metal Arm is glitching the system, and it's again. It's an example of. It's a great game, and like tragically overlooked in its time. Came out for the PS2 era. And, like, the voice acting cast is ridiculous. Involves, like, the likes of uh, Dan Castellanta, um, who's Homer from The Simpsons, for the people who don't know. Patrick yes. Warburton, who has done everything from Emperor's New Groove to um, uh, to the likes of playing Joe in Family Guy to being Brock Sampson in The Venture Brothers, which is easily the anim- best animated show going today. And, like... You know he's involved in the, he's involved in a lot of voice acting work, and those are two of the voices in the show, along with like a long laundry list of some of the best comedic voice actors of the last twenty years, easily. Like, um, and it's like, and the AI is really clever for it, where they never they never make the same moves twice. You know, um, hitbox detection and stuff like that is really, really ahead of its time for the era it's in. It looks like the Russian and Clank grip off, but it's so, so much better. <laughs> um, like it, I can't even, um, uh, I can't even stress how much better it is this game. Um, but like, yeah. And that's got like, that's gone because the, it was like, I think it was like, it was published by THQ. Whoever the uh, developers were, I think they went under way before THQ did but because THQ are gone as well you can't buy the game like you no, like, it's well, gone it's just like it'll never show up on any digital on any official digital library in the future like, yeah it's gone it's sure, gone sure another one as well and this is one that uh Jim brings up in his video about this mm. uh the alien versus predator game that came out yeah. for the arcade system now that's a phenomenal game but I never would have got to play it because I wasn't even conceived when it came out and uh yeah pretty much i don't think most of our listeners weren't but also the actual ips that's a mess that's a mess to try and get together yeah Uh, everyone owns different things you know trying to deviate the money it's just it can't happen it's just not possible so the fact that you could just get it you know put it up on a main emulator and then run it you know it you know and again, there's a barrier to this. You need to know actually how to set up a main emulator. You know how yeah. to do these things. So it is a very, very small niche audience. So you know, you know, what do you guys think? Let us know on our on our Twitter, um, nerd nerd to know ninety two point five. It's a shame, you know, it really is. But look, it is what it is. So I think we're we're coming to the end of this now, Brian. We 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 kind of yeah. went a bit over there, but uh, yeah, guys, a, a uh, lot. Get it in post. It's fine. We'll get it in post. <laughs> yeah, guys, but a lot of what's coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're kind of still playing with the format. Uh, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to get more interviews in here, um, and, and you know, let us know what you want yeah. on the show. If there's anyone uh, you want interviewed, do you want to be interviewed? Yes. Yeah, and like here's the thing as well. It's one thing that we that we mentioned when you we were at Dublin Subs at Comic Con. If you're an independent creator and want to come on the show, uh, tweet us and email us, and we'll, we'd love to have you on. You know, it's yeah. it's it's one of the great things about Comic Con that I really like is that I'm talking to the creators because um, there, there's some phenomenal people in Ireland, yeah. great game designers, uh, great artists, um, you know, great costume makers, great. Um, you know, art, um, 
authors. writers and authors, everyone. You know, it's it's such a such an eclectic mix. So if any of you guys want to come on and talk about your craft or plug your game or anything like that, yeah, we'd love to have you on. And the best way to do it is reach us to Twitter or on our Facebook page. You know, get those likes up, and um, yeah, and we'll take it from there because I think it is one of those kind of things where if the platform isn't there you're not going to be able to use it but Brent, is there anything you'd like to plug before we let you go um i am just going to plug our good friends over at geeks the industry the podcast network where they do a whole host of uh, nerdy nerdy stuff if you like wrestling they have make paris radio which is great podcasting name and i say it every time um sometimes you can hear me on there with uh, my good friend Poloni's punk kic uh shit film uh, shit film sundays too shit harder uh, and <laughs> best, best, best name ever i'm yes. sorry and there's also um we're thinking of having shitting in for shitting with a vengeance be our uh our season three title um then there's also gonna there's also geeks the industry themselves where they uh, just go through geeky news and uh, then for good films they have geeks on film and yeah so like if you want to speak directly to me you can get in touch with me through uh, twitter at cast cast that's with underscores between uh, between the words so that's cast underscore brain underscore cast and that'll because, do it for me this week. Because Bryn is hip. Word. Word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, home with the downies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, yeah, guys, if you want to reach me, you can via my Twitter, at DarWV. Um, of course, our other show is on Tuesdays, which is w, uh, WVI Desk, or the International Desk. Um, our website is WVIDesk.com. I will be editing that to include a session for nerd to know and uh yeah that's where you'll be able to reach all the shows but for now the best way is go over to our facebook page go over to twitter all the links are there um they're for free so go for it and uh until next week this has been nerd to know phoenix 92.5 fm bye